it's pretty fun. A bunch of old dudes just singing about being young. <laughs> Welcome back to Growing Up Punk, the podcast about punk rock and all of its friends. This is part two of our look at Epitaph Records. Uh, this time around, Aaron is going to be chatting with Joe Sacito of the band Set Your Goals. It's going to be a great conversation talking about some of his favorite records over the years uh, and what has influenced him over time. So before we get into that, though, and, and into his look at his five records, why don't we get the uh, housekeeping stuff out of the way? Go ahead, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Growing Punk Pod. You'll find our personal links there as well. You can find us online, growingpunkpod.com. And of course, wherever you're listening to the show, rate it, review, subscribe, tell your friends, all that kind of good stuff. It helps us grow the show. If you got friends who are fans of Set Your Goals or friends who are fans of Epitaph Records or friends you just want to say, hey, check this out. It all helps. Anyways, without wasting any more time, let's get into it. It's Aaron chatting with Joe Sacito of Set Your Goals on Grown Up Punk. Yeah, so with uh, with Epitaph, uh, what was the first, you know, how were you introduced to the label? Was it a band? Was it a compilation? What, what do you first remember about Epitaph Records? It was, it was actually a compilation. Um, it's funny because it's like, it's something I think about quite often because uh, I grew up skateboarding. So like, well, actually I started out on like BMX. I used to do a bunch of BMX riding, like race cool. and stuff. So like, you know back in like i don't know the mid 90s or something like that especially where i grew up for some reason skateboarders didn't really get along with uh, the rollerbladers and i wasn't <laughs> yeah i wasn't uh i wasn't a, a skateboarder at the time but i rode my bike and they're like oh that's cool so they, they kind of like allowed me into their group <laughs> which is kind of funny and uh a friend of mine was just like listening to something and he like handed it to me and I was like, Oh, what is this? I'm like, it's like, Oh, it's an epitaph compilation. And so I can't remember which one it was, but it had like the, the E pissing on the wall or something like that. Oh, uh, was that it's a, a punk around? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, so that was, that was the first introduction to epitaph and it was kind of like, it was like, Oh shit. Like, this is crazy. This is cool. Like that, like that bad religion song off of no control, which is one of the records I mentioned, uh, you was the first that's the first bad religion song i heard and it gave me goosebumps and like i just remember thinking i was like what is happening this is so cool like the harmonies and stuff like that and like i had never really heard anything like that like up to yeah. that point so what like what were you listening to then like was that your first exposure to punk kind of in general or you were kind of you know just discovering different things and that kind of stood out yes and no i mean i think that so like k-rock was a big thing in southern california um which they, at the time like they were playing a lot of a lot of like 
different stuff, like a lot of kind of, I guess, alternative, if you would want to call it. Um, I mean, Green Day was on there and, you know, they would have like, uh, I can't really think of what other band, like Marcy's Playground and stuff like that. Okay. Um, but uh, I mean, listening to Green Day, like kind of stemmed from that, like a friend of like Rage Against the Machines and stuff. And like my my parents like grew like I grew up listening to a lot of like R and B just like because my dad had like so many like R and B records and um kind of like old a bunch of oldies like my my dad's kind of a cholo so he yeah well, cool. had, had the low rider oldies going but um yeah I mean somebody showed me it was funny because that like that year in high school I remember somebody giving me a Nine Inch Nails record and I was like not really into it. And then that punk Arama CD came around and I was like, Oh, okay, this is more my speed. I can get down with that. Yeah. So were you it. able, were you able to get some of those records and kind of like get a bit more access to that or, um, at that point I was still pretty young. I think I was like 14. So I didn't really have a whole lot of, I, I just like had my tape recorder and some tapes. So it wasn't yeah. until probably a couple of years later that I was like starting to buy like CDs really, uh, yeah, it wasn't a big record guy until like later, but um, my dad was, which I'm surprised I wasn't into records sooner. But no, yeah, I mean, that was like one of the first records besides like Descendants or like some No Effect stuff. Yeah, that I bought was that that No Control record. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Well, what I loved about those comps, I mean, they've come up lots in this label series because that's, I mean, I grew up in a small town, so a lot of the releases. Uh, you know, on these more independent labels weren't in stores, but maybe, you know, they got a compilation in or, you know, someone got it with a skateboard magazine or something. And, totally. and uh, there was just something about like just opening your world to like, okay, this is what I know I like. And there's 20 bands on this. And it just kind of gave you that hope of like, okay, like there's at least 20 bands that I'm going to check out, you know, next time I'm in the city, at, you know, a good CD store or whatever. And and uh, yeah, just that excitement for, okay, there's something that I connect with musically outside of, you know, kind of what what I knew or, you know, what you knew at that time. So totally. yeah, I, I love thinking back to those times and, and still, you know, still love going back to those comps and those first releases. Totally. Yeah, it's it's certainly, I mean, nostalgia is like my best friend, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's, oh, yeah. Especially these days, it's just like, that's all I really have. It's like, ah, yes, yeah, reminisce. But uh yeah, it's it's funny, especially like I mean I I mean I didn't really I lived in I grew up in L.A. so it's like if I looked harder, um, I think I probably could have found some people that listened to like a bunch of other types of music. I mean it wasn't until like a couple of years after that that I like when I moved, um, my parents moved a lot, so I moved from like a smaller town or like like town in L.A. called Maywood, and I was going to high school there to another town called Pico Rivera, which is a little bit further east, and then transferred schools and that's kind of when that's kind of when i think that was like okay i'm starting to like hear some like cool stuff like between like a bunch of crust bands that were like playing in the area and stuff like that but it was yeah like, like i said it's the nostalgia of it all especially yeah well that's yeah. awesome so how did set your goals end up getting signed with epitaph what's kind of the story behind that and just what led up to that i i mean that was a kind of a crazy experience like I don't really know how, uh, I don't really know the details of how it like actually like came to be. I don't know if they like reached out to us or if like our management was, uh, was kind of pushing for it. Um, but I know that there was, it was between a couple labels. And then when we saw the epitaph name and 
like you know we actually met with brett and stuff like that and it was a really cool interaction and we felt like it would be a good fit and it turned out to be like a really rad time so yeah i mean we were having some rough times with uh with our previous record label as i'm sure you've heard i don't know <laughs> was that with eulogy yeah so yeah, okay yeah i mean it's like a, a pretty <laughs> that's a whole nother story in itself but yeah so that, yeah that must have opened up a whole world for you guys what what did that kind of feel like getting signed to a label that had you know just such longevity and so many you know foundational bands on it It it's it's cool i mean it's just like i don't it's still it was one of those things where i'm like oh we're gonna be on epitaph that's something that you don't really hear every day <laughs> yeah so i mean it was it was cool to visit the like the headquarters and stuff like that and see some old like you know press releases and like all like the like i think that i'm pretty sure there was like some masters for like some records there and stuff and you know digging through all the old stuff yeah no it's so, awesome yeah, yeah i i actually remember that as well because um i mean lots of uh you know kids or youth or whatever um in this in the city i was in loved mutiny like i i can still remember them just raving about set your goals Mm -hmm. and uh so i remember listening to mutiny and being like okay like this is cool like it's you know it's on eulogy so it's you know kind of a mid to smaller label and you know i was familiar with the bands but i remember seeing you know that you guys had signed to epitaph you know i don't know if it was on a a music site or something but Mm -hmm. you know those kind of things always caught my eye and so i was like oh that's awesome like i'm really excited to see you know what what they do next and and uh i mean that that next album that came out on epitaph uh so be the death of us all i mean Mm -hmm. such a such an awesome album and you know a good step forward and i mean we don't necessarily need to get i, I do i do want to have a conversation sometime with you kind of talking more about yeah, sure. set your goals sometime because uh yeah i love the band and was definitely influential and um but yeah Appreciate it's that, cool yeah. to kind of hear you know that step and, and just seeing how you know that kind of pushed you guys forward and i, I mean your name was everywhere and mm-hmm. yeah, we can talk about that some other time but just yeah it was it was always cool you know i'm i'm a big music fan and so it was sure. always exciting seeing bands that, you know, you were kind of rooting for, especially, you know, seeing from a smaller label. Every time they made that jump, it was like, oh, awesome. Like another really cool band is going to get some more exposure and and join, you know, a roster of bands that have, you know, been so influential for, for decades. So Right. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I mean, it's cool. I mean, it, it was definitely it was definitely cool to be a part of like that current like roster of bands. Um I mean, especially like being essentially being label mates with, I don't, I don't know if Converge was on the, that label at that point in time. I know they released some stuff on Epitaph, um, but it's just like, yeah, I mean, pretty rad time, I guess. And I don't know, just to see like the transition, like as obviously knowing what Epitaph started as, you know, it's yeah, a whole nother world of bands. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Well, yeah, and with a label like this, with so many foundational bands and releases, you know, it's almost impossible to pick or to pick five. And yeah, uh, yeah. But you know what I always say with this, you know, it's five favorites, right? There's there's always going to be more. And uh, so yeah, let's let's get into some of these um, these choices. It was I always um, you know kind of anticipate seeing you know what the what the band member is going to pick, especially with a label like this. Right. And uh, so yeah, I was I listened through these albums. Uh, this week and so it was cool just to kind of you know try to pick out like oh i wonder why you know why you picked this release and and so uh yeah 
it's it's probably not like what you would expect from i don't know i mean there's like so many cool bands like i don't know yeah, well, that's yeah. you know, and that's uh, I'm excited to hear you know why you pick these ones, and this has happened lots where it's like, okay, we're talking about you know, you know, fat records. Okay, they're probably gonna pick these five, and it's like, oh, they only picked one of those five, and right. you know, every label, you know, they have you know, like Epitaph, it has all the bands that you know you would kind of expect or you know, but there's also a lot that you know, when when you have a label this big, there's gonna be lots of artists you know that didn't get the same exposure but still put out good albums, and and so that's why I love you know letting the person pick because it you know they might have been drawn to something totally different than than everyone else so yeah, yeah let's get cool into idea. uh the first one which is uh hot water music caution i need a remedy of diesel and dust something i can taste with a fix i can trust and never hide my potent last studio album by hot water music which was released on epitaph on october 8th 2002 and uh this yeah this is hot water music's always been a really kind of unique band for me like this is definitely one of my favorite albums from them and i was just listening to this one today and even just trying to kind of pinpoint like what what is this band or what is this kind of music you know like it's it's punk rock but it's not you know kind of what you would expect from punk like it's a bit more dynamic you know a little bit gruff 
you know, some different influences and, uh, I don't know, just really cool songs and, and I love this album. So yeah. Why, why does this one stand out to you? What do you love about this album? Yeah. I mean, you kind of, kind of nailed it there, especially with, with this record when it comes to kind of just a very creative sound. I don't know. I, I, it's, I mean, that record came out when I was like 17 or something like that. So I was pretty, pretty young. And I, I actually honestly hadn't heard any uh, hot water music uh, releases that was like, you know, prior to that, that was actually the first, that was my introduction to hot water music. Um, and I'm always like, I'm a huge, I'm a sucker for melody. Like that's like, yeah, you know, I love like a lot of like, you know, fat records and like uh, epitaph stuff because of that, you know? Um, and even like bands like propaganda that the melody that's within that, that band anyway. Um, yeah. I mean, it was just like when I heard, when I first heard that, that first song was just like, Whoa, it's so powerful. Like Chuck Reagan's voice is just like, yeah. Wow. But um, yeah. I mean, even as a bass player, I was, there was a lot of really good bass stuff on that record. And it was kind of like, I mean, that's kind of what I looked for in what I listened to is like, how cool is the bass player? You know, it's like, especially being that young, it was just like, I'm still learning how to play bass. So it was like, okay, so this is more than just like your uh, standard chord progression or whatever, like most like yeah. punk bands kind of like fall into, which is totally fine. Um, but yeah, it was cool. Yeah. And what, you know, you mentioned the melody and I always love when a band can, you know, pull out melodies that aren't, you know, when I think of a band, you know, like no use for a name, right? Like super totally. melodic, awesome melodies, completely different than hot water music though like style wise right. and even the melodies like just how the vocals work with each other mm-hmm. and uh yeah i just love how you know chuck's kind of gruff voice but can still be melodic and and uh yeah lots of really cool um aspects to this this band and this album and totally. i also i also love like so before uh we were, we were recording uh, we were just talking about, you know, having not just the singer of a band, you know, on the podcast or whatever. Mm-hmm. And and so I liked how you had mentioned in the releases, it's like, these are the bands that inspired me, you know, as a bass player. Sure. So it's not just, you know, albums that are really cool albums or, you know, were influential, but as a specific musician, you know, how they played a part in that. So that's that's a really cool um, aspect to that as well. Yeah, I mean, it's... I, I... Well, my dog is, or my roommate's yeah, dog okay. is, yeah. <laughs> hey, come on. Um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of, I, like, I love, I mean, don't get me wrong, I love a lot of the older releases on, you know, a lot of, from a lot of punk bands or labels and stuff like that, but it's like, my, like, my informative years when it comes to bass playing is, like, really what I paid attention to the most yeah. at that point in time, and it was just like, yeah, so, it's kind of like, kind of like, learning from these records how to like play bass you know so but yeah, um that's awesome yeah i mean it's like and it's cool i mean you're talking about the melody of the record and stuff like that and like melody of different bands and it's also like cool the dynamic between like chuck and chris's like melodies like i can't remember what song it is but there's like a point where they're just like there's a call and response kind of thing but they're saying oh, two yeah. different words or they're two completely different lines and i was like that sounds so difficult yeah so it's like but yeah there's there's definitely more kind of complexities to it than your standard kind of punk band or Mm -hmm. you know and like you said uh even like the progression like it's not just your you know four or five chord progressions 
there's just yeah i don't know something something really unique about that band and and uh, I like I remember certain friends like loving this band early on and always talking about them and I was never like instantly kind of attracted to them but mm-hmm. kind of over the years as I've listened to more of their discography and they keep releasing albums kind of have grown you know to love them a bit more and just appreciate it more because back when this did come out mm-hmm. um yeah 2002 like yeah I would have been you know into like pretty kind of straightforward pop punk skate punk kind of stuff right. and so I always kind of remember thinking like, oh, this is, you know, a bit, a bit different, but totally now, now I love those differences and just think it, it makes them stand out. I mean, it certainly stands the test of time too. I mean, it's like, I, I mean, that's like what, 2000, that's almost 20 years. Yeah. It's crazy. Like that's, I mean, that record still holds up. I think like, it yeah. sounds like it was recorded like last year, you know, that record recording. I mean, Brian yeah. McTernan is phenomenal. Oh yeah. And which we also recorded with him. The last record that we did, uh, last studio record, full full length that we we did was with Brian McTurnan. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. He's come up uh, a lot. We've actually had him on the show as well. Oh, cool. Yeah. I mean, so many influential records. And and I I think part of that longevity, you know, is that, you know, I don't know know who Hot Water Music's influences are, but there's kind of a, a, a rock side to it as well, which maybe helps it stand out, right? It's a bit more kind of rock formatted songs than you know punk so maybe even that kind of just helps for it to kind of stand the test of time because it's you know not trying to fit into like you know the early 2000s skate punk and then now it's like well you know some still fits now some doesn't and so anyways lots lots of good stuff about them i bet you i'm i'm curious to see how much the like the geographical location would have some sort of influence on that because like no use for names like you know san jose you know yeah like and then, like, they're from, like, Gainesville, Florida. Yeah. So much more. It's, like, there's so much, like, soul and cool, like, blues and R&B that stuff comes out of that area, so. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's anyway. awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, the next one is uh, Bad Religion, No Control. Culture was the seed of proliferation, but I've got it melted into an inharmonic hole, to an inharmonic hole. Says Blake the sand, we cannot take it. Though we think we're in control, though we think we're in control. Questions that proceed just in life are testament of our helplessness. There's no vestige of a beginning, no prospect of an end. When we all disintegrate, we'll all have been again, yeah. Time is so rock solid in the minds of the horrors, but they can't explain why it should slip away. We have no control. We 
is the fourth album by Bad Religion, released on November 2, 1989, through Epitaph. Mm-hmm. Um, so No Control is stylistically faster than its, pre- than its predecessor, owning more to hardcore punk. It was also the first album not to feature a lineup change from the previous album. Uh, yeah, and this is, this is also an album that, um, you know, with Bad Religion, I mean, they've got so many albums out. Uh, you know, there's kind of a handful I've been, you know, drawn towards over the years, and mm-hmm. I, you know, I listened to this one uh, today as well, and and uh, yeah, it's a, a great album. There's definitely songs that when they came on, it's like, okay, yeah, I know this song, and uh, yeah, it's, I mean, there's, you know, what do they have a dozen albums or something to choose from, and yeah, it's pretty. There's they have a pretty extensive catalog for sure. Yeah. So why does this one stand out to you from all the rest? I mean. I mean, we kind of touched on it in the beginning when I mentioned uh, when I mentioned you, because that song was like, I mean, just, the, I mean, just the song, the lyrics, you know, itself, it just kind of it talks about like finding a place where everybody can be happy, where there's like, what is it? Uh, uh, I think it was like the, I, I can't remember what he says, but it's just like, it's like having like this like kind of like dream world or whatever, um, hoping that that you, you can. It's like a, like a, like a, I don't know. It's like a really sad love letter in a way to life. But um, I don't know. I think that record, especially like with like, uh, like songs like um, I want to conquer the world and stuff like that. Just like, I mean, cause like at that point in time, I think with like some of the stuff I was listening to, this stuff stood out because it was like, Oh, this is kind of talking a little bit about politics, you know? And like nine 11 wasn't too, like it was like right around this time, the same time that I like, Actually, it was probably a couple of years after I'd heard this record for the first time and like seeing all that stuff on the news and kind of uh, like growing up in L.A. and stuff like that and seeing certain aspects of L.A. and kind of like hearing some of that in these songs. I was just like not I mean, obviously it wasn't those particular times because that came out way before that. Right. But it's still talking about just like, you know, just the things that are uh, that could be pretty bad in the world. Yeah. Was this a band? Hmm? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I'm just saying it just kind of makes you think outside the box a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. And then Greg's lyrics are are definitely, you know, very vast, you know, and, uh, you know, like deep, deep lyrical content. Mm -hmm. That's, that also helps them to stand out. I mean, there's, there's, you know, lots of other, whatever you want to call it, like political or um, current current news kind of stuff but was this a band that you guys ever or that you even ever got to connect with like just to kind of have conversation with to kind of get you know a bit deeper into lyrics or into songs uh as far as a band that we listen to like or just like a band that we actually like talk to like personally yeah yeah like, um, did you ever personally get to have a conversation with any of the guys and oh uh, yeah aside from brett now i don't think so I can't, okay. I, yeah. Um, I think it's funny because like, actually I, I guitar tech, you know, now, and I did some touring with, uh, on this tour with, uh, Dave Haas. Oh yeah. And, and uh, so I think the closest I've come to like talking to anybody else is like, uh, what's his name? The bass player's name. I can't remember, but his kid was playing, pl- playing bass with Dave Haas. And oh, okay. uh, yeah. It just like I was like, oh, it's funny because I'm like just like looking at him. I was like, ah, oh, that makes sense. You look and play like your dad, kind of, you know. Yeah. But uh, no, I don't think we, unless the other guys have, I, 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 I haven't. Okay. Yeah, I was just was was curious of, 
as to what what a conversation like that would would be like. Uh, yeah, business because of Brett. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, my th- yeah. yeah. I mean, it was kind of a surreal experience at the time, and it was also a while ago. I can't remember what that how that went. I was just sitting there, just like this is crazy. Like, yeah, you know. Well, what well, if you had to pick uh, one other Bad Religion album, whether it was Epitaph or not, after this as a favorite, any uh, ones come to mind? Oh, there's so many. I mean, I th- I love like I mean, Generator was a good one. I think Generator was really cool because of like how like different it was. Like, I mean, even just the song Generator. I think Atomic Garden was on that record, um, which is like kind of just so creepy sounding, such a creepy sounding song. Yeah. Um, I really, I really dig like a lot, all the Brian Baker stuff, like, you know, um, uh, what is the name of that song? I mean, sorrow obviously is kind of, like okay, a, yeah. yeah, that's like a good representation of what I like love about fucking his guitar playing, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I think the first album I was introduced to was the gray race. There was uh, oh, I think sure. my brother found it in a local like music store in the town we grew up in that, you know, they'd have just have, like this small little area with tapes. I don't I don't know why that one was there, but anyways, I, I definitely remember thinking that was pretty cool when I got that one. Hmm. Yeah. Gray Race, yeah. That one, that one kind of went under the radar for me. I don't know why. I think it did for a lot of other people as well, it seems, but uh, Gray Race, I just... And that's the one with like the helicopters on it, right? Uh, on no, the cover. That, that, no, that one's, I think, like something about hell. Oh, gray race, it, it just okay. has like pictures of people on it and like black and gray. Oh, okay, okay, something like that. But yeah, I mean, they like yeah, we said they have they have so many. So depending kind of on what area you got into them or whatever, there's there's lots to chew on there. But mm-hmm. yeah, awesome band. Yeah, the next one is uh, Pennywise, Full Circle. <laughs>
by Pennywise was released on April 22nd, 1997. Uh, this was the album uh, for me that introduced me to Pennywise. And uh, yeah, to me, this is kind of mm. their their first like really good album. The ones before it, you know, they're, they're, they're good Pennywise albums, but there was something to me about this one that's just stuck with me ever since hearing it. And even still, like it would definitely be in my top Pennywise albums from them. You know, there's so many good, just classic Pennywise songs on here, and and uh, man, it's I don't know, it's just so good every time I put it on. Yeah, I mean the opening, that opening riff. I mean, or I guess the reverse cymbals. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. So what cool. do you remember about this album? Um, I remember like, I mean, another another record where it was just like the bass playing on this is so cool. Yeah. yeah and it was like kind of like a like you kind of like whenever you, you listen to a lot of older punk bands like especially like epitaph bands you know i love a lot of the bass playing like oscar's bass playing was really really cool um but for some reason i don't know it was just like something about this his bass playing was like simple but not you know it had like really he had like really tasteful bass runs um i can't remember the name it's like um i think I think it's final day okay yeah. opening the opening song or the opening because it starts off with the guitar and then it's like the opening bass riff it's just like this cool little fill and uh yeah just, do you f- it's fun it's a fun do record f- do you find with uh bands like this where there's just one guitar player that the bass stands out more i'm sorry do you find with bands like pennywise where there's just one main guitar player that the bass stands out more i think so um because it's i mean that's kind of what they do live you know it's like it's just you you're you've got to hear both instruments you know like a band with with two two guitar players sometimes it's pretty the bass unless you're i don't know it like bass is kind of a hard instrument to like cut through i feel sometimes live yeah um and even on, on records like sometimes it gets buried but yeah, I mean, if it's like a three-piece like that, I mean, you, that's just that's the band. Yeah, that's crazy. You know, I feel like that's kind of you got to you got to capture that live, other or on the record, and live. Otherwise, I don't know. Yeah, Alkaline Trio was another cool one to oh yeah to hear like do that because I mean Dan had such great bass playing, it was such a good dynamic. But yeah, anyway. Yeah. Was, was this the first Pennywise album you got into, or actually? What? Um, I think it was. I think it was the first like Pennywise record that I bought, but there was a, I can't remember what skate. I think it was just like skate. Or I can't remember. It was like some like old, like um, uh, what is it? Uh, arcade like skate game where you'd stand oh, yeah, yeah. on the on the board and like do all the tricks on the half pipe. Yeah. Pennywise did the soundtrack to that. So. Oh wow. That's yeah. Cool. It was like I'd always like. I think I remember going to Chuck E. Cheese and they had it and. So I was like playing it, and I was like, "Oh, who is this band?" And like, Pennywise at Chuck E. Cheese, dang! Right? It's like <laughs> talking politics while you're eating pizza and having fun as a kid, I guess. Yeah, that's uh, awesome. 
No, that's cool. Yeah. yeah, and they've I mean they've had, you know, they're they're a band that's still going. Their last album is, is one of my favorites from them. So it's cool to see that, you know, they're still being able to be creative and write mm-hmm. awesome songs and, and stay relevant. So yeah, awesome band. Yeah. Yeah, next up is the Weaker Thans reconstruction site. How I don't know. album by the weaker thans released on august 26 2003 a song cycle about grief regret loss and eventual hope the album is thematically framed by three tracks and uh yeah following a terminally ill hospital patient into the aftermath of his death to the same melody like what a yeah what a crazy crazy way to set up an album that's funny i've never actually heard uh i guess the the synopsis of the record um well, I always knew they were more of yeah. a, like a storytelling kind of band, you know, totally. lyrically. Even if you don't know what they're talking about, you can just pick it up, you know, in the way that they, you know, that the, the, they sing the lyrics. And um, yeah, this band is—I mean, they're they're from Winnipeg, which mm-hmm. is 
close to us, and so they always kind of felt like somewhat somewhat of a local band. Um, I mean, this is one that I wasn't as into, but I had friends that that loved the Weaker Thans, and so they were mm-hmm. definitely played a lot. And um, yeah, lots of yeah, really cool kind of deeper deeper songs with you know simpler songs. You know, it's not like it's like super technical. You know, it's more mm-hmm. on the kind of I don't know what you would call this like rock indie rock totally, kind of. Yeah. Um, so it's definitely different than the releases we, we just spoke of. So yeah, I would love to hear why, why you love this album. Almost alt country. I think yeah. that's, I think they're kind of the, I think they're responsible for, uh, just like my, like liking for alt country. Hmm, like, I mean, I don't, yeah, I mean, I don't like know too much about alt country, but I know that like, I remember like hearing some of the steel guitar on that record. I'm just like, Whoa, that's cool. Yeah. Kind of a sucker for steel guitar. I don't know why. Um, I don't know. It was like kind of like a time and place for me. Like it was when I was living. So I had moved to Northern California to a small town called Redding when I was like 17. Um, And then like just kind of, there's a lot of, it was a really, really eclectic music scene in Redding, surprisingly. Like if you were to talk to like people from there now, like there's not so much going on. It's kind of one of those like small towns, like um, you drive through town, really. Um, yeah. I mean, but it, I mean, like bands like AFI come through there. Through there, like there's this place called the Grange Hall that used to um, have shows out there that had been kicking around for a while. Like AFI, American Nightmare came through, uh, Death by Stereo, and like oh, yeah. so many random indie bands there from all over the place. Um, and that was like the cool thing about living in that like little town was like whenever shows were happening that like you were just there, like everybody from like, whether you're a hardcore kid, a punk kid, ska kid, indie kid, you're going to be at a show. Yeah. Um, so a lot of indie stuff was going around, um, being called like red robot and stuff. And I like got to talking to those guys and somehow like they were brought up and I was like, Oh, I'm curious who this is. And I like checked it out and I was like, reconstruction site was uh, the first record that I picked up. And it was like, like whoa this is really cool like and, and i don't know i live like reading was like uh it's like up in the woods you know kind of you know you got like a couple mountains around there and cool rivers yep. and lakes and stuff and just kind of like fit in it was like the soundtrack to like a like mm. you know the summer of like i don't know 2003 or four or whatever it was yeah. So did the Weaker Thans actually come play there or just you that's where you got the record yeah that's just where i picked up the record Okay. Yeah, it's fine. I didn't actually see them until like a couple of years before they broke up. I was living in Boston and like, um, well, actually Providence. And I was riding my bike through Boston and there was a bus parked out of, I don't know if you are familiar with Paradise Lounge. No. No, it is. It's like this like rock, like Paradise or like rock club, maybe. I can't remember, but it's like, it's a pretty cool venue in, uh, in Boston. They were playing there and there's a bus parked outside. And I was like, who's playing? Like looked up at the marquee and it was like the weaker then. It's like, Oh shit. I got to, oh, cool. I, I got to buy a ticket. So. But, yeah. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Do you remember kind of like what stood out to you about this album besides, you know, kind of the sound of it, like were you attracted to the lyrics or kind of how the songs were played out or. Yeah. Anything like that. I mean, you're like, I mean, you kind of brushed on it a little bit. It's like a story, you know, and it's cool to hear like some of what he's talking about. You know, I think I remember like watching some live footage of him talking about, um, I can't remember the name, the name of this. I'm really bad with like song titles. Yeah, <laughs> so, no, it's all good. I was lost um, to remember. 
but uh there's like uh the to- like basically there's a song where he's like talking his cat is talking to him so it's like the song is sung in the perspective of his the person's cat okay <laughs> you know like talking about like oh all you want to do is just sit around and watch tv and yeah like stuff like that like be like hey can you like invite the tabby that's like two doors down but don't invite the basset hound kind of thing yeah um <laughs> uh you're yeah but uh i'm paraphrasing obviously but it's uh it was cool and like you know that's it's funny that you kind of read that synopsis because i mean it makes sense like i definitely see that like what he's talking about but i didn't realize it was broken up into uh bits like that yeah well i always remember like the lyrics would always kind of throw me off like it always felt like he was like reading the newspaper or reading his like journal or something like just in the way he story tells totally. i was always like what is happening right now like is this a song or is this just like music to like the daily news or something but it, right. like it, it definitely had a unique you know perspective to it and with being you know like winnipeg it's not a small it's not a small town like mm-hmm. it's a, a fairly big city but it's still you know in the prairies in canada and you know at, at times has a small town feel to it so it definitely fits you know, the demographic, the geographical kind of area to the music, which is also something unique too. like some, you know, lots of music you listen is like, you know, it could be from anywhere. Right. But I feel like, and maybe it's just because I know this, but when you listen to it, it's like, this sounds like, you know, it's a guy <laughs> like writing songs, like on a tractor or like, I don't know. That's so funny. You know, or I mean, like I mean, hanging out at the hockey rink or something. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think there's a song, one of their later records that talks about, uh, uh, a story of a hockey player. Yeah. Oh yeah, he never wore a helmet. And I can't remember. It's like some famous hockey player from Canada. I'm not a huge hockey guy, so yeah, I mean either. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's I'm cool. surprised. Yeah, well, in 2013, the album made ballasts. I'm not sure what that is, but their list huh. of top 50 Canadian albums of all time. So uh, that's uh, that's pretty cool in in and of itself. Yeah, sounds sounds good. Which uh, maybe there's not more than 50 good Canadian albums out there, so maybe that's <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I can't. I'm kind of. I'm thinking. I'm trying to think of some. Yeah. Well, that's. Yeah. I mean, and it's... I mean, it's even cool just to have a Canadian band on here. I'm not sure if, off the top of my head, I can't think of any other Canadian bands that were on Epitaph. Um, mm. There might have been. I'd have to look through the list again. But uh, I want to say there was, but maybe not. I. Uh, I can't. I'm I'm drawing a blank, but I... yeah, yeah, it's all good. So uh, yeah, there's uh, two more releases here. So I'm I'm not sure which one's the honorable mention, but uh, we'll just briefly talk on on both of them, which is that's fine. So the next one is uh, "Converges You Fail Me." <laughs>
the fifth studio album by Converge that was released on September 21st, 2004. And this was the band's first release for the label. Um, for me, this is one of those bands that like I've seen and heard so much about, mm-hmm. and like I, I've listened to them. You know, it's not you know like we talked about melody. Like I love heavy music, but I also like to have some melody. And uh, maybe Converge has has some. I haven't heard a lot of it, but I mean, super influential band. Even just the artwork, and you know, I love Jacob's right. artwork. And, right. So yeah, why why does this one stand out to you? I, you know, I think it was just because, I mean, I love Converge and I love that record. And it was like, I mean, I think it was uh, the record that came after Jane Doe. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, I can hear, I could hear elements of Jane Doe and I could hear elements of something completely different. Like, um, you know, a lot of the like acoustic stuff that they have in there, kind of droney acoustic stuff was really cool. Um, I was really into heavy music at that time. So like the, to, to see a band like that come out on Epitaph, I think it was... So, I mean, I think around that time, Epitaph was kind of branching out and yeah, up different artists, and um, and the in fact, the Converge was one of those artists. I was like, wow, that's that's really cool, you know? Yeah, but yeah, it definitely seems like a band that you know you kind of have to dive into a bit, you know, whether it's lyrically or musically. Right. You know, any of these kind of bands where it's you know a bit more kind of chaotic or spazzy, like. It's at least for me, I can't just like put a song on and be like, okay, cool, go to the next one. It's like you kind of got to sit down with it and, you know, look at the artwork and the lyrics and just kind of really see what's what's going on with the album. Right. I mean, and it's, I mean, that's kind of, I mean, that's that pretty, that pretty much sums up Converge because it's like a, it's almost a story in itself right there, like from the artwork to just like the music alone and, you know, trying to keep, keep up with Jake's lyrics because it's kind of, I don't know. Sometimes kind of hard. <laughs> yeah. Like, what are you saying? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is there is there something from a, a bass player point on this album that stands out to you? Yeah. I mean, his. Um. I mean, it's funny because I don't. It's like he's. I think his name's Nate or something like. Um, fantastic bass player when it comes to like chords and stuff, but for some reason that record particularly like nothing really stands out to me. I guess, but it's also a record that. Uh, I don't know. Like it was, a, I haven't really listened to it in a very long time. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and sometimes with these albums, like, you know, they're so influential, not necessarily because, you know, you've listened to them a ton. And I've got albums like that too, where it's like, every time it comes up, it's like, Oh man, like really cool band, awesome album. I don't necessarily listen to it, you know, like every few months, but when it comes on, you know, it's mm-hmm. awesome. Or, you know, maybe it's the artwork or just kind of the aesthetic of that album or maybe a band you saw live or something. So that's another cool thing about these lists is it's not necessarily, you know, like the most played albums on your playlists, you know, mm-hmm. or, but just something that's like, yes, that is an album that there's something unique about it that stands out and, you know, that just kind of like pulls you in. You're attracted to it for one reason or another. Right. I think I think for for I mean like it was a very artistic record I think and I think I kind of like when I listened to that record I, I mean I listened to it recently and like it was one of those things where I kind of listen like it's like you paint like I kind of hear the whole thing I guess and I yeah. don't really like pay too much attention to the to specific parts you know I think it's like it's like it's just a well balanced record when it comes to just the parts that they play I guess. Yeah, yeah, and there's definitely I mean? albums like if that I, too, which is which is cool. Where yeah, it is the whole thing. It's not just 
you know, pulling one aspect out of it. I mean, there's definitely bands like that for me too. You know, as a drummer, it's like, okay, this album, I love it because of the drums. And there's some mm. other ones where it's like, I like the drums on it, but all together, it's an awesome album. So yeah, there's definitely different dynamics to why an album can stand out. Totally. Yeah, and then the last one here is uh, The Descendants, Everything Sucks. <laughs> is uh, the fifth album by the descendants released 1996 through epitaph this was the first descendants released to chart reaching number 132 on the billboard 200 what song uh, was so that I'm, was that uh that's probably when i get old uh well it just says the album uh charted oh, okay. then um yeah there was yeah a few few singles from that uh, from that album but yeah i mean yeah it's hard to to you know talk about a label like this without discussing the descendants um, again, you know, their career has spanned, you know, so far between the Descendants and all and, you know, the back and forth of Milo and, mm-hmm. and again, a band that's still still active and current and has probably influenced pretty much anyone into punk, pop punk, skate punk or whatever. And yeah, tell me why you why you love this album. Yeah, I mean, the first I mean, the first record I purchased by the Descendants was Milo Goes to College. And that was like a kind of a game changer for me when it came to bass playing. And that's kind of at the time when I was playing bass, I was like, I, again, most most of the stuff that I like like a lot is geared around bass players. So I'm sorry if yeah, it's no, kind of getting old talking about like, oh, the bass playing on this record, oh, the bass no, playing. Great. On this. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was just like at the time, like that the bass playing on that record was like kind of like what my skill level was, I guess. And then like when they when that record came out, I was like. Oh, this guy, I can't remember the name of the bass player, but I mean, I, like he, this dude is just like playing all of this stuff on his with fingers only no pick. And I, I, I play with the pick. So it's like, like Stefan's such a good guitar player. And like, yeah, a lot of his stuff is just like down, downstrokes. It's like, that's so hard to do. And to keep up with all that stuff, you know, with fingers is pretty, pretty impressive. And some like killer licks too. It's like, you know, yeah, this was one of those bands that, you know, I would I heard about them all the time because, you know, it'd be in like magazines or, you know, different things where, you know, like reference the descendants and, you know, like the godfathers of pop punk or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it was 
I can't remember when I would have first heard them. When I finally did, I was kind of like, oh, like this isn't really what I was expecting. You know, I didn't realize, you know, they were an older <laughs> band and had, you know, been around for a long time. I was like, why do they keep getting referenced? Like, I mean, it seems pretty like basic and plain to me. But then, you know, over the years and you kind of hear more and it's like, oh, okay, you know, they've been around, you know, one of the first bands, you know, really doing the kind of melodic, you know, punk kind of thing. And um, right. so I've definitely come to appreciate them more in the last, you know, number of years than, than at the beginning because it just uh, never seemed like as energetic and, you know, fast as the other bands. But then you mm-hmm. kind of realize like, oh, okay, there's, you know, coming from a different time and. So influential for different reasons. Absolutely. I mean, it's funny you say that because it's like, um, it, like the two records that were mentioned, like Milo goes to college and like everything sucks. Like the in-between stuff, the earlier stuff was like, so kind of like almost prog rocky, like, yeah, you know, like sour grapes and stuff like that. It's like the time signatures on that record, especially as a drummer, you said you're a drummer, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm, <laughs> it's such a cool song on drum, like when it comes to drums. Yeah, yeah, there was yeah. definitely, you know, it was it was simple, but you know, there was more complexities to it than you know a band like the Ramones or, you know, some of those other bands that were kind of not necessarily from the same era, but you know that kind of started the whole punk rock mm-hmm. thing, and and uh, yeah, again, oh, totally. just took kind of took me a bit more time to appreciate it, and and you know, even you know, it's not a band necessarily that I go and listen to a lot. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when I do or even just having them, you know, still around, you know, it's like, okay, you know, this is a super influential band. They're still around, you know, um, you know, still involved in, you know, producing records and different things like that. And so it's it's really cool to have a foundational band like that that has poured into so many other bands. And uh, yeah, just kind of cool to see that kind of come full circle. Yeah, I didn't think I was ever going to see them. (laughs) Oh, you you got to see them live? Yeah, I've seen them a couple times. It's kind of, yeah. Like, uh, they used to work for, uh, so I did some work with Frank Iero and his band as a guitar tech. Okay. And they, and they opened for Descendants, like, two two nights in, like, I don't know, I can't remember where it was, like, somewhere in the Midwest. Yeah. Maybe Michigan, I want to say, but, yeah. Saw them yeah. then, let's see, what, uh, like a couple other times, festivals and stuff, so. Yeah, I actually, I had tickets to see them um, about two years ago in Winnipeg, it was over Thanksgiving weekend, and we ended up having a huge snow blizzard, and the highways were closed, and it was just crazy. And and so that that was disappointing. That was kind of like, okay, this is probably the last time, you know, they'll ever come through here. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I think they still they still played there, but I mean, I don't think there was many people there, or like nobody from outside of the city, anyways. So so that was disappointing because that would have been cool to to get to see them live. Yeah, it's pretty fun bunch of old yeah. dudes just singing about being young <laughs> yeah no that's awesome so, yeah but, yeah man yeah that's i, I kind of just want to keep talking about more records but but that's the list for now and yeah i'm, I'm looking forward to to having you on again talk some cool. more about set your goals and maybe some some other albums and yeah thanks thanks so much joe for for taking the time to to connect tonight and, and talk about some fun records and yeah it's i always love hearing you know someone else's perspective you know and that's why i like having someone who is on the label you know just to bring those you know other stories or things that stand out and so it's been a pleasure getting to talk to you tonight yeah it was, it was a good, good time